Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. And I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. I'm really excited about today's guest, Zach Geist. And today's talk is all going to be about student loans. And um, it's going to be a fascinating discussion. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's got an interesting, unique background and story. He's CEO and founder of Student Loan Tutor. And so um, I'm really excited about this um, episode. Student Loan is, is a game now, which you'll hear from Zach. And um, welcome, Zach, to the show. Welcome. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Liu. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, it's great to be talking to physicians. My primary clients are, are physicians. We are actually the largest uh private organization helping student loan borrowers for the past decade. Uh, we have thousands of active clients. I've spoken to over 10,000 different people, more than half of which are physicians, about the topic of federal student loan and student loan repayment and ways to uh, significantly reduce uh, what the cost of education is after the fact. I, I jokingly say it's like the closest thing to getting a scholarship after the fact, after you've borrowed the money. Uh, but there are ways to navigate it. It's not a fixed system. It's not rigid. And federal student loans specifically, especially for physicians, don't work like any other traditional debt. Hence why most financial advisors, uh, although well-intentioned, will give very bad advice when repaying student debt. And uh, we're the largest organization that does that. We've helped borrowers uh, save over half a billion dollars with a B, so over $500 million in federal student loan repayment. And I contribute to all of the major media publications, uh, both, you know, uh, Forbes, Bloomberg, Fortune, USA Today, CBS Money Watch. I, I'm I'm the one of the main contributors in this student loan space on those topics. So, uh, if you're a physician or if you're anybody with six figures of federal student loan debt, uh, what I'm going to share with you here will actually change your life. Uh, and it's, uh, that's a bold statement, and I intend to deliver on that. It's interesting because uh, you know you and me were talking in the green room. Before this, and uh, you know, I have a personal story because I graduated two thousand seven medical school, and um, you know, they have a they had a someone similar to what you're doing now. But uh, back then, the number the only strategy available was student loan consolidation and locked into a fixed rate. That was the single strategy that all <laughs> medical students had. And now you have all these like FSPL income, all this, and so it's become a game. So talk, tell people about how it's become a game and why we have to play it. Great. I, I'll start here. Uh, I think this is important because people think, well, uh, is student loan repayment a game or not? And I would go as far as to say finance is a game. I have a, I have a history in finance as well. We practice multiple avenues of finance. It starts with student loan debt, uh, but we do traditional finance as well. Uh, but uh, the quote is, if you're that I've come up with is if you're forced to play the game, it pays to know the rules. And uh, the fact is, is that we're all forced to play the game because we're citizens in the United States and that's our economic system. And uh, people say, well, if they if they start to look into finance and you hear uh, the way that finance and investing works uh, traditionally, you go, 
man, this sounds a lot like a game or like a casino. And I say, well, actually, the casino sounds a lot like our financial system, and they function very much the same way. And finance is all about understanding what your risk tolerance is versus what the rewards are. And if you look at people that are extremely wealthy, um, maybe you could think of our, our previous president who had a lot of business success and a lot of things that he said because these things leave clues. Uh, and Rich Dad, Poor Dad I, was one of the books I read early on in 1998 that really transformed my life. And I actually live very close to where he grew up here in Hawaii. And, uh, and I really understood that there's a way, uh, at least I began to understand then, to navigate the financial system in a way that's beneficial. It seems that the people that are wealthy do something very differently than the people that are not wealthy. And there's a reason for that. So when it comes to federal student loan repayment, uh, there's a lot of people treating federal student loans as though it's a traditional debt. Uh, they're looking at what uh, they're, what is what I call their stated interest rate. They're seeing this interest rate of seven percent. Their grad loans and under, and they're saying the only way that I can address this is by trying to reduce the stated interest rate. And then in that case, yes, consolidating with the private lender because you can't you can't consolidate and lower the interest rate, the stated interest rate, with a federal student loan. So they go they end up consolidating and turning their converting their loans into private student loans. And uh, that is not the right thing to do for the vast majority of physicians. And by vast majority, I'm talking probably 90% plus. Uh, I could count on two hands how many physicians I've spoken with and said, your best route is to refinance with a private bank and lower your stated interest rate. And uh, that's something that I want to get into on this call. And I hope people are paying attention because most physicians that I work with, which I believe is a traditional sample size, uh, are going to... Uh, uh, an effective interest rate that is actually a negative interest rate. Uh, and there's no bank that's going to give you a negative interest rate loan, meaning you're going to pay back than you borrowed. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that brings up some questions for you, Dr. Liu. Yeah, I love that. Um, and uh, so um, we can talk about how the system is kind of is rigged because they want, they jacked up the price of undergrad, then they jacked up the price of, you know, law school, medical school, and they try to get all these mm -hmm. students in debt. And you know, backed by the federal loans, and you know, as in an area where jobs are becoming scarcer, automation, artificial intelligence, lack of financial literacy, and you know, you were saying backstage that a lot of students they they're academically they can do well, and then uh, they want to please their parents, and they get themselves into financial trouble because they get all this student loan debt, and they you know they they're trapped. Tell us, tell that story as well. They they are, and 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 I think that this brings up a piece that's maybe uh, it shouldn't be controversial, but it's it's not in the common narrative. Uh, it's uh, this idea of that there's different social classes. You have the uh, the the two most simple is that you have the creditor class and you have the debtor class. You have those that lend money for for interest and make money passively, and then you have those that have to work for money that are in debt. And essentially, they have to service that debt. So it comes into how if I'm in the debtor class, how do I? It's it's actually more challenging to play that game because at first, if you use Robert Kiyosaki's kind of cash flow board game, he actually made a game of it, which it, it, I hadn't really considered. The fact, the telling fact that that's the case is how do I get out of the debt class and into class? And uh, I mean, this was what the Communist Manifesto. Uh, was written about is like, hey, wait, there's two classes here, and you know, and no matter how much you try to escape it, they just continue to arise. For some reason, there's always a creditor class that forms a debtor class, 
And uh, I don't know, I, I've been in both classes and I could tell you that life is challenging, but it's definitely more challenging when you're in the debtor class. So the first thing is admitting I'm in the debtor class. How do you know you're in the debtor class? Well, uh, you have student loans. Your parents didn't have a bunch of enough wealth to be able to pay for your school for you. So you took out student debt. So now it comes into, do I can I qualify for scholarships? Can I get grants? Uh, uh, what school's less expensive? And then if I have the student debt, then it comes into, how can I pay the least amount of this legally and qualify for the greatest amount of subsidies or loan forgiveness? Then there's a funny thing here. Nobody ever says, I should pay more taxes. But for some reason with student loans, and it's built into the, the psychology or the philosophy of this idea that we're brought into the world and we're in debt to something. We're in debt to a god, a creator, to the human race, to our ancestors, to our parents, right? So this essentially this feeling of being indebted is appropriate our government by lending us money to go to school, which we don't get to control how much these schools cost. If we did, we would say, well, I, I don't want to pay, you know, 250, 300 grand or more for medical school after interest accrual. school. Part of that is, did we miss the recording? Did the recording just start? So when you when you decided to go to medical school, you also decided whether you wanted to. This is the force to play the game thing. You also had to take out a quarter million or more in debt if your parents weren't able to help you or someone wasn't able to help you pay for that. Mm -hmm. So now it comes into how do I manage that debt? in the most intelligent way to pay, pay the least amount of money back as possible. And here's where things get challenging because there's not a lot of people vested in helping you do that, right? The school doesn't really care too much anymore. I mean, maybe superficially they do, but they don't have a vested interest in helping you pay the least amount because you're already out of school. The hospital doesn't necessarily, if, you, if you're a doctor, you definitely know that that's a total madhouse, right? So, and your financial advisor is looking at your student loans the same way they look at other, every other form of debt. They're saying you have a 7% interest rate. You shouldn't invest, you shouldn't begin planning for retirement till you pay off all of your debts that have high interest rates. So they're saying, pay, you know, don't carry any credit card uh, uh, balance, which of course you shouldn't do. You should, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know that. Uh, if you have a car payment that's higher, but they're trying to get this student loan uh, uh, paid off, which for the vast majority of physicians, especially if you work for a nonprofit hospital or the government, doesn't make sense to do because there's a there's something that's different with federal student loans than any other type of debt. And there's a couple things. One is that the, your payment could be based on your income. And there's been some changes to income-driven repayment that have made it the most lucrative that it's ever that it's, that's ever happened. I have medical doctors that have $0 payments right now, which is absolutely crazy. And you may say, why would you want a $0 payment? All the interest is going to accrue, it's going to capitalize, and it's going to essentially balloon. Well, now with the new SAVE program that's going into effect, any negative amortized interest is totally forgiven. I'm going to repeat what I just said. So if you have a medical doctor with a quarter million dollars in student loans, a million dollars in student loans, the number doesn't matter. And they qualify for a $0 payment. They'll probably have some payment. It'll be probably small with this new change. But let's say just for simplicity's sake, they have a $0 payment. Uh, they're going to accrue whatever interest normally accrues. And then that interest gets forgiven at the end of each month. So mm -hmm. essentially, if you're listening to what I'm saying, you're saying, well, that sounds a lot like a 0% interest rate. And if you said that, that's because it is a 0% interest rate. Now, your loan documents will still say 7 or 8% or 6.5%, whatever the cumulative average of your student loans are. And your financial advisor will say, pay that debt. And what Zach Geist is telling you is don't pay that debt if it's a 0% interest rate. I'm going to take it a step further and say that it's not a 0%. It's a 0% interest rate right now. But if, if you have to do a financial forecast and figure out if you work for a nonprofit hospital, which most hospitals are, 
You mm -hmm. only have to make payments for 120 months. To use another simple analogy, if if you had a zero dollar payment and you had and you paid that zero dollar payment for 120 months, now I know your income is probably going to go up as you get closer to there. It's going to get harder and harder to keep your payments lower, but whatever you don't pay by that 120th month gets forgiven, meaning it is gone. Meaning that that moment in time, you could calculate what that interest payment will be. If you were in a situation where you had a zero dollar payment. Let's say you had a million dollars in student loans because probably no one has more than that or very few. And you have a $0 payment for that whole 120 months. At the end of that term, you would have that whole million dollars get forgiven. None of the interest would have accrued in that, sa that new save IDR, income-driven repayment. And yeah. you would have an effective interest rate of negative 100%. Hmm. What does that mean? That means that that money was given to you. It might as well have been a scholarship. Now you had to carry that debt for 10 years and that affects your debt to income if you're going to purchase a house or whatever. But that's what Student Loan Tutor does is it works with mortgage you know, loan officers and submits documents so that they don't look at that as though that's throwing off because they'll take 1% or 2% depending on uh, uh, what lender they're using to calculate what your payment should be. But there's ways to do that where it, where it calculates you know, a hundred dollar payment, and that doesn't really affect your uh, debt to income ratio when you're trying to purchase property. So, in all essence, you don't really have the student loans. It's kind of like having, you know, some people have the cold sore virus, and they just have never had a cold sore. So, yeah, it, you know, I guess it sucks to have the virus. You know, maybe you'll test negative for it at some point, but if it's not affecting you, and then eventually just goes away, did you really have it? Very fascinating. And, um, you know, again, like you were talking about, you know, there's a game and. You know, based on your income, and um, so you know, talk about you know a lot. Well, it's of based on your income. It's based on your family size, and family size is calculated differently with the Department of Education uh, than it's calculated with the IRS. I'll give you an example. Uh, somebody could be uh, living with a girlfriend. The girlfriend could have three kids. She could also be pregnant, and they could have. Uh, a family member also staying in town from Korea uh, that is going to be there. You know, they don't know how long, but they're helping support what they consider fifty percent or more of the bills. They would have a family size of themselves plus the three kids of the girlfriend that's living there. So now they're at a family size of four plus her. That's five plus the Korean family member plus she's pregnant. So there's a baby in utero. They have a family size of seven. So now you calculate the family size of seven uh, with the, and then you and then you calculate 225 percent of the poverty line index for the family size of seven and uh, that creates I mean I think you could have over one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year at, at that point or pretty close to that I don't have the numbers in front of me over a hundred grand a year and still have a zero dollar payment now there's other ways to document income other than just using your uh, your taxes because you could link to your taxes but there's other ways with profit and loss statements that you could be able to calculate your income and for many medical doctors there's ways uh, to calculate income and family size legally that would significantly reduce what your normal obligation would be. And uh, that reduces what you pay per month, which increases your subsidy on the interest side, which then increases dramatically the forgiven amount that happens. But what's really important here, uh, speaking to someone that's retired before the age of 40, who's a medical doctor, is that it equals a completely different life because you could begin investing and planning for retirement before you pay off your debt. And most financial advisors, if they're worth their weight in salt, will tell you that you should pay off any high interest debt before you begin planning for retirement. That's part of your planning. But if your stated interest rate is 7%, but your effective interest rate is negative 30 or negative 50 or zero or even 2%, you should start planning for retirement now because you could beat those returns with the market. 
But this is where a lot of people, like nobody wants to help or very few people, they should. If you're a financial advisor and you're listening to this call, you should call Student Loan Tutor and figure out how to work with Student Loan Tutor to help your clients realize what their effective interest rate is so they could begin working with you to plan for retirement now. And if you're a physician, you should know what your effective interest rate forecast is. is. Like we could run those numbers and figure out as your income goes up and what's going on with your family size, what you're going to have forgiven at the end, which help us with after the subsidies could tell you what your effective interest rate is going to be. And you could plan for that. The cool thing is with public service student loan forgiveness, there's no tax burden. But this, I do this all the time for chiropractors, naturopaths, and medical doctors that are in private practice. Uh, there's a longer forgiveness uh, term, but there's ways to navigate that as well intelligently. And that's just one aspect of finance. These same loopholes exist within the, within the tax code, to, to quote our previous president. Uh, he I, He's quoted, I don't know if I'm spreading false news here, but I, I believe he's quoted of saying, I don't pay taxes equivalent to that. And there's a reason for that, and there's uh, and and it's it's due to uh, the way that passive and active income uh, is calculated. And people that are very wealthy generate most of their income passively. And if you're in private practice, a lot of your income is passive income uh, because it could be paid out as ownership distributions instead of traditional salaried payroll, uh, which don't necessarily need to be calculated in as your income when calculating what your income is for income-driven repayment in IDR. So uh, this is why, uh, gosh, close to 300 different financial firms and financial advisors uh, refer all of their clients with high balance student loans, mostly physicians, to Student Loan Tutor to help them with their financial planning. I hope this makes sense. Did it bring up any questions for you, Dr. Liu? Yeah, it's really great. Uh, you know, like I said, it sounds like the it sounds like it's becoming like the tax code where you know so many loopholes and um, like <laughs> the the truly the the most wealthy you know people I talk to they understand it they understand assets liabilities they know good debt bad debt and uh, mm -hmm. it's like they you know on paper they they may look poor so they can qualify for all these things but. You know, in the real world, they're you know they're they're wealthy. It's just it's just dichotomy. You know, it's like what we're taught in school and what people actually do. So to, to quote Rich Dad Poor Dad, <laughs> and and to and to quote uh, the name of the title of his first book, Robert Kiyosaki's first book was "If you want to be rich and happy, don't go to school." That was the title <laughs> of his first book, and. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that there's like, we meet a lot of people in school, like we learn a lot in school, like learning is also important. But I mean, a, a more apt title would be, if you want to be rich, learn what the rich people do and teachers are seldom rich. So they probably can't teach you how to be rich. As a matter of fact, they're probably really smart. makes it more difficult. I spent a lot of time with Tony Robbins over the years, uh, you know, traveling around. Uh, there was uh, something he would put on called Wealth Mastery. And uh, there was a point where a guy was chartered stocks for, gosh, his whole life. And he goes, and people would state, like, well, why does that work? And he goes, stop asking why, uh, which is a very challenging thing to do for highly intelligent people. Uh, it's because it, a lot of it is just the way that it is. Uh, you could try and explain it, and there's people that probably come closer to being accurate with why it works that way. And I'm not saying that student loans work that way. Student loans are more cut and dry, but the financial markets in general, if you could beat the financial markets and you could outperform the S&P 500 index, then you're going to be probably a very successful hedge fund manager of some kind, or at least a, a very successful financial planner. But it's very difficult to do that. Uh, but at least if you're playing the game, uh, you could participate in some of those gains. Now, most people, when, they have, when they're burdened with a ton of student loan debt, 
the psychology that they adopt is kind of one of I'm on pause until this is done. And I'm really hoping that people listen to th- that are listening to this, especially physicians or anybody with a lot of student debt, that they don't put their financial life on pause until they pay off this debt. I, I, I wish I could call it something other than debt, but it is debt, but it's not necessarily good debt and it's not necessarily bad debt. Uh, it's kind of in the middle uh, and it's in a class of its own because I don't know of any other lender that would lend you money for a negative interest rate that you could pay based on whatever you're earning and that there's flexibility in how to calculate that and that you there's no credit qualification. I mean, maybe the SBA loans that came out during COVID have some similar taste to that, but where everyone is going wrong, and by everyone, I mean almost everyone, including financial pundits, you know, the Dave Ramseys of the world, is that they continue to incorrect advice due to a lack of understanding of how this debt functions. So it's very simple, uh, but they're making what, what in, I guess, scientific terms would be a false heuristic. Uh, they're treating it like a debt where the effective interest rate is the same as the stated, and it's not. Yeah. It's almost never that way. Yeah, interesting. So, uh, how can people, you know, contact you, um, talk to you, and you know, it sounds like you have a yeah. lot of experience. So, yeah, I have a ton of experience. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'd probably say the most uh, practical experience. Uh, I know that there's some people that write uh, that are also uh, contributors to like Wall Street Journal and things on on the topic of student loans. Mostly student loan attorneys that practice consumer law. And uh, maybe they uh, have more of a philosophical understanding of the of the law. I, I think I probably am pretty close to being matched with that, and especially with my team. Uh, but the practical application is often very different than what the theories are, and it's often uh, the benefit because a lot of the decisions that the federal student loan servicers, the people servicing the debt for the Department of Education, have are discretionary. I don't know if you froze on me, Doctor Wu. I'm good. Okay. So a lot of the decisions that the servicers get to make are discretionary. So you could submit documents and they may interpret your documents in your favor, which means that you get to realize those benefits. And so what we've learned is how to submit documents where they tend to like kind of err in your favor. Uh, But again, this is in practice. This is after working with thousands and thousands and thousands of people. That's funny. We, you know, uh, this person uh, invested, you know, uh, funded overfunded their four hundred one k at this specific time, and that this had this effect on their payment. Hmm, that's interesting. I wonder why that is. That's cool. That's cool that it's at the servicer discretion in that case. But again, you know how how it's going to work. Um, those those are those areas that are a little like shouldn't be that way, but are. Uh, but those those are those are great areas. This, I don't want I don't want them to close those <laughs> loopholes. So I don't want to go into too much detail. Let's just say there's yeah. a lot of those areas. You've got 49 million borrowers that are being serviced by you know 10 to 15 dollar hour employees with no financial training. That's a fascinating thing, right? Is wh- who do we turn to? Who are who are the 49 million turning to? They're turning to uh, uh, people with 10 to $12 an hour jobs working in a cubicle with no accountability that they'll never speak to again, that have absolutely no financial training whatsoever, that don't have aligned interests with the borrower. And there's intelligent physicians that have you know, a CPA or enrolled agent preparing their taxes. They work with a, you know, a mortgage broker when they buy their house. They, you know, they have an attorney that they consult with on estate planning, and then they 
go they contact because there's not really a vehicle for it. So they they contact their their service or they go on Reddit. Uh, and and sadly, a lot of times that ends up screwing them more uh, than if they were just admit their naivete and really seek out help. But yeah. there's also the platform of a lot of student loan things out there are scams. You get a phone call every. You know, every day. I mean, I get them. I get them as well. I don't even have student loans. You know, you're calling about your student loans. They're forgiven. You know, call us at this number. You know, and then you call and you get India or something. So yeah, it's you know, it's a it's a strange environment to be in. But we've been doing this for ten years, and uh, I don't know if you. you, I I, I'd recommend if you're if you're seeking student loan support that you do your due diligence. Uh, If you're a a doctor, a scientist, you're really good at doing due diligence. You should be good at doing due diligence. See how long. A company's been in business. What do their reviews look like over time? Uh, where are they contributing? Are they insured? Do they carry errors and emissions insurance? They have access to to legal counsel for legal opinion. If you if you if you don't believe what I'm saying, can you talk to an attorney that will put there will say yes? In fact, this is my legal opinion. Uh, probably cost you a couple hundred bucks to have an attorney say that, but it's a different of you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of savings and hundreds of do- thousands of dollars of savings uh, realized as cash flow each month to invest either in your practice or to invest in the market compounding over the course of 10 to 25 years is the difference of millions of dollars over the life of that loan. And even maybe even more than that, we've had some crazy success stories of, of, of people uh, redirecting what normally is going towards servicing debt and instead goes towards wealth accumulation. Yeah, so very well said. Uh, for all the listeners out there, let's thank Zach for coming on to the show. Uh, very inspiring. Uh, episode and all of Zach's resources will be in links and show notes and you know be sure to consult yeah I want to I want to give one final piece Dr. Ru, just for everybody because they have till the end of the year to do it if you're a doctor a physician anybody with student loans and you have federal family education loans anything other than direct loans you're going to want to consolidate those with the Department of Education into their own consolidated direct loan don't put your other direct loans with those ones because that could do some funny things that we could talk about in the future. But you want to consolidate them. There's a there's something called a one-time IDR account adjustment. So if you've been in forbearance for 36 months or more outside of the COVID time, all of those forbearance times and any payment in any repayment plan will count towards federal student loan forgiveness. I've had many people have half a million dollars of loans forgiven just by this one uh, IDR account adjustment. And you could find me at student loan at studentloantutor.com and book an appointment with someone from my team. Awesome. Back yeah. to you, Doctor. I just want to make sure I said that because that's a takeaway that everybody could do. It's just a, a freebie. And thanks so much for coming out to the podcast and a really great episode. Thanks, thanks. Dr. Lou. I hope you really enjoyed that wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you wherever you are listening, if you liked it, be sure to like, comment share, subscribe. We're on everywhere. Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. And without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week.